Hello and welcome to another episode of Tungsudo Focus, a podcast related to all things concerning the Korean martial art of Tungsudo. I'm Steve Paterini, your host, and this is episode number eight, where we will focus on the topic of stances. Now, in previous episodes that talked about technique, I went through uh, basic techniques of uh, hand techniques of low block and center punch and the three basic kicks, front, round, and side kick. Uh, I was a little bit torn at that point whether I should go into stances first because if you think about your stance, it is the way you are rooted to the ground. It is your foundation, and I know I have already spoken on how if your foundation is crumbly or unsteady, then the rest of anything you build on it will uh, not be very strong, uh, not be very durable. So uh, stances are definitely uh, the, an important part of Tung Sado, um, but uh, for whatever reasons, here I am hitting them on the, the, the third episode regarding technique instead of at the very beginning. Uh, I'm hoping that perhaps having some of the other information about kicking and hand techniques maybe makes this a little more relevant to people. I remember once training with a gentleman by the name of O Sensei Phil Porter, who was the national Olympic judo team coach for decades. And uh, he was one of the highest ranked judoka in, in this hemisphere. He was very, very highly regarded, had coached literally thousands of champions. And uh, he said at one point, one of his quotes that resonated with me was that martial arts is a pursuit where you grip the ground with your feet. And I always thought that was an interesting way to look at things. Uh, so certainly, uh, as our stances uh, become more important to us uh, in our technique, we need to think about our connection to the ground, to the earth. We need to think about our balance. We need to think about our posture. And the stances themselves are important, but there's also a transition between stances. And that's what maybe we spend the rest of our career in Tung Sado working on, trying to get that transition and to uh, complete those transitions when you hit a stance to be in what would be considered a technical and proper stance. Now, given enough time, I'm sure I could come up with uh, many stances that we use in Tung Sado. Uh, but I think just like I focused on front, round, and sidekick uh, in a previous podcast episode, that the three basic stances arguably would be the front stance, the back stance, and the horse stance. Uh, they all have different characteristics, and they all have different weight distributions, and uh, I, I would say they all have uh, different purposes in terms of uh, your movement and how they're going to match up with your particular techniques and uh, improve uh, or create better technique uh, with your striking or kicking techniques as well. One thing is clear in all three of these stances is that there's a certain uh, amount of leg strength and flexibility involved in uh, executing these stances properly. Uh, 
they certainly, at least initially, and probably even as time goes by, aren't the most comfortable of stances to be in. Uh, you're activating muscles that you might not use otherwise, and you're activating muscles that, uh, if you do the, st the stance improperly, uh, do it incorrectly, uh, you actually take a lot of uh, strain off of those muscles and it becomes more comfortable. So our challenge as instructors, uh, and I guess as students too, is to try to uh, overcome that aversion, uh, that avoiding of the discomfort of using a proper stance. Um, hey, you know what? You do a lot of squats, you do a lot of uh, um, lunges and, and knee dips, and uh, if you're somebody who's in the gym, you do leg presses and leg extensions and improve those uh, the strength of those muscles, it's going to help you. Of course, stretching helps as well, uh, and you need that flexibility to avoid injury. And uh, so there's a lot of other uh, factors behind executing proper stances, but just wanted to, uh, right from the outset, talk about how uh, doing things correctly uh, often is uncomfortable compared to doing things incorrectly. And as a beginner, your teacher is going to ask you to do some things and you're going to be like, this is crazy. My, you know, my leg is trembling. Um, my, my thighs are cramping up. Well, what are they talking about? But over time, it will become a more natural thing for you. And uh, listen, if uh, karate was easy, everybody would have a black belt, right? A lot of people quit along the way to the journey because they just aren't mentally tough enough. Uh, and again, it has more to do, I think, in my own opinion, with mental toughness than physical ability. Uh, you just need to overcome that discomfort and follow your instructor's cues. And over time, it'll start to become to feel more natural. And you'll, you'll wonder uh, how to even do it incorrectly. It'll become such a natural, uh, ingrained in you type of uh, activity. Now, before we go into the front stance, I think we should take a moment and give some respect to our Chunbi Jasi or ready stance. Uh, we talked about it a little bit during the protocol episode where your feet are about shoulder width apart, toes pointing forward, your hands are extended below your belt in fists with about the space of one fist in between them, your shoulders are back, your chin is up, and you're in what we call a ready stance and ready to begin whatever activity your teacher chooses to uh, make you do. Now from this Chunbi Jassi or ready stance, moving forward into a front stance, as the name implies, a majority of your weight will be on the front leg. So let's imagine ourselves stepping out with our left foot into a left front stance, we would call it. You are going to extend your left leg uh, forward uh, about twice the width of your shoulders. It will have your toes pointing almost completely frontward, maybe kicked off a little to the right, maybe 15 degrees or so uh, with a little bit of an angle. But the main focus of a front stance is for you to bend that front knee to the point where when you look down, and again, you must have your back up straight with good posture. When you look down with your eyes, your knee should be uh, hiding your toes. In other words, if you can still see your toenails, uh, over your knee, you haven't bent that front knee as far as you need to. Uh, now, often uh, this, again, includes using muscles that we might not use as much. Uh, it makes it a little uh, uncomfortable. Uh, we often tell students to uh, extend your front stance to uh, make it longer, we will call that, which would mean moving that front foot even a little further forward. 
thus lowering your stance, thus putting more strain on that uh, thigh muscle there of the uh, of the front uh, front leg. So uh, again, that front knee being bent is what gives you uh, the resilience and uh, you know kind of almost acts like a shock absorber so that as you're punching or throwing a technique or blocking from a technique, you have that front to back stability. All right. Now, we didn't talk yet about the uh, back leg. That leg is fully extended behind you with your knee locked out. It should be straight and your heel should be down. Now, usually, uh, especially with beginner students, we get one or the other. We either get a straight leg and the heel is lifted up or we get the heel down, but the knee is bent. I would say that's probably a little more common. Um, it's almost a, an unnatural sort of position to do that, to lock that leg out, have that knee straight, have that heel down. Uh, you want to make a strong connection to the ground. Um, once again, as you've stride, uh, taken that stride forward with the uh, left foot in, in this uh, example, uh, you want to keep the width of your stance about shoulder width. If one foot is directly in front of the other, uh, you may have good strength from a forward uh, orientation. Again, somebody pushing at you, kicking at you, you're blocking or you're trying to throw a punch, uh, but from the side, it would be very easy to knock you over because your base is not wide. So as you step forward, you wanna make sure that they're still about shoulder width apart. You want the front foot to be pointing mostly forward, maybe a little bit kicked in uh, towards the right. Um, <clears throat> foot flat, knee bent so that it is obscuring your toes and the back leg needs to be heeled down with the leg fully extended straight behind you. And that is about the best description I can give <laughs> without showing you a photograph or a video, which we can't do in podcast land. And that will give us uh, our front stance. Now, I talked before about having the majority of your weight on the front leg. I'd say 60% 70% on the front leg, 30% maybe on the back leg. Um, as you increase the amount of weight on the front leg, what you want to avoid is leaning your chest, your head forward. Sometimes when we think of putting our weight forward, um, again, rather than bending that knee, we lean our body, our torso forward. We want to keep our body straight up and down with good posture, shoulders back, what we call a square. So our shoulders are, are straight on as we uh, are looking towards a direction where we're striding in that stance. Now, if you were to move forward in a, another front stance, you would pick up the back leg and without, in a perfect world at least, without lifting up uh, in any height. In other words, uh, you wanna keep that front knee bent and bring that right leg forward and then step out again, shoulder width, and you'll transfer your weight to that front leg, bend the knee, again, knee covering up the toe, front leg bent, back leg fully extended, heel down, locked out, posture square to the, uh, to the direction you're going. And uh, this is, again, something that moving from one to the other without bobbing up and down uh, is going to take some time to get used to. So, Again, front stance, probably the most often used stance, at least in your beginning forms that you're going to learn. And uh, in many of our striding drills where we're practicing uh, at least uh, hand techniques for sure, you're going to be in a front stance.
So it's important to have the fundamentals down. Now, the second most common stance uh, and second basic stance you will learn is called the back stance. Once again, as the name implies, the majority of your weight is on the back leg. Um, it would be probably a, you know, again, 70%, 80% on the back leg, uh, you know, 20 to 30% on the front leg. I like to think, especially when I'm teaching children, uh, of the back stance as the front leg being like the kickstand on a bike. If you've ever put the kickstand down on a bike and leaned it off to the side on that kickstand, there's really not a whole lot of weight of the bike on that kickstand. It's just enough to keep it upright. Uh, certainly without it, it would fall over. Uh, but it's not a 50-50 uh, proposition between the, the weight of the bicycle being on the two tires that are on the ground and 50% being on that little uh, peg of your uh, of your kickstand so that front foot is just basically out there to kind of hold your balance uh, in a perfect world and as you get more advanced you should be able to pick that foot up without losing your balance and the back leg is going to take 100 percent of your weight obviously once that front foot comes off the ground uh, this is a stance that is much faster to move from uh, it might not be as strong against a uh, a aggressive frontal attack uh, but it gives you more options particularly uh, when kicking it will be a, a faster orientation so uh, a back stance uh, looks something like this so from Chunbi Jasi from our ready stance you would turn and, and again just uh, for illustrative purposes in our mind's eye uh, let's say we were, had our left foot forward in a back stance uh, you would advance that left foot your right foot the support leg the toes would be turned 90 degrees to the side uh, to the outside to the right and your foot would basically be sideways and your body would also be sideways about 90 degrees to your opponent uh, you would have your front leg uh, not as deep as in a front stance uh, maybe shoulder width apart in front of you uh, again very light uh, weight on the front foot. Uh, we actually pull the toes of the foot up and balance the ball of our foot on the ground. So it's not completely flat-footed. Uh, we don't have our heel touching. We don't have our, our pads of our toes touching. Just that, uh, uh, again, ball of the foot. And that would require you to uh, pick the heel up and it makes a bend in the knee. So you've bent the back leg to lower your stance to give you a little more stability. And that requires the front leg to have a bit of a bend in it too. Although maybe not as much as during the front stance. Another quick note about the foot position in a back stance. Since the support leg or the back leg is pointing out to the side 90 degrees and the front foot is pointing forward uh, these feet are actually perpendicular to each other uh, if you drag that front foot back uh, your heels should just about line up uh, forming like a letter L and uh, that's an important position for you to go ahead and uh, double check look down at your feet while you're uh, striding or practicing your drills quickly to make sure that you have that nice alignment that perpendicular position between the back foot out to the side and the front foot pointing forward now when i talked about proper form for the front stance i uh, gave you a bit of a, a trick or a hack 
a, a tip for making sure your stance was correct where if you look down at your knee with a uh, good posture straight up and down if your knee is obscuring the toes of the front foot that means you've got a uh, pretty good position uh, for your shin um, what I would say with the back stance is if you've got your back foot pointing out to the side and your front foot pointing forward about shoulder width apart uh, both knees bent ball of the foot touching on the front foot if you take that back leg and kind of pivot so that your knee is forward and bend down until that knee touches the floor that knee should touch just about by the heel of the front foot uh, in other words if you're uh, if there's a space between the heel and the knee it means your front stance is too long uh, you you've put your front foot too far in front if it's uh, a short what we call a short uh, back stance your uh, knee will go past the heel of that front foot so it's just a real quick way uh, to kind of use it your leg uh, of your back foot or back leg to uh, to use it as a measuring stick essentially to see if you've got the proper proportions uh, oh by the way we all have different shaped length and size bodies so uh, you know a back stance for a child if I said oh it's got to be you know 18 inches from the back foot to the front foot that's not going to work for somebody who's much bigger or much smaller uh, so this uh, gives you your own little measuring stick for uh, everybody's individual body to try to uh, improve your particular form on your back stance now two things become pretty clear right away when you have about 80% of your weight on the back leg. One is this stance is tough on your back leg and two is that that front leg is free to pick up off the ground and throw what we call a front leg kick uh, very quickly. Uh, it allows you a little more speed when you're in a deep front stance. Uh, moving forward or moving back might take a little bit longer versus with a back stance. Uh, Again, often common exercise would be to, in a back stance, just pick up that front foot, throw a front kick, retract it, throw a second or third front kick. So you're basically balancing on that support leg, the back leg, and then put it down and trying to hold your balance and not wobble all over. Uh, these are the things that just help you to get it a good uh, foundational and uh, steady, well-balanced back stance. Now, older martial artists like myself like to talk about the good old days back when things were tough in our training. And uh, one thing that I remember instructors doing uh, with particularly new students in their back stance is they would come by the line and they would just reach out with their foot and kind of sweep out that front leg of the student in a back stance. And if there was too much weight on their front leg, which of course takes some of the strain off that back leg with the 80% of the weight on it, uh, they'd fall right over. Um, again, if most of their weight was on the back foot uh, or back leg, uh, you sweep that front foot out of there, as I talked about before, uh, like a kickstand that's not supporting too much of your body. And uh, the student would not go down. And uh, that's something you should be able to, again, with very little effort, pick that front foot up without falling over. Now striding forward in a back stance might be a little easier than striding in a front stance. Uh, once again, you want to keep your support leg bent. So rather than bobbing up and down as you move forward, you want to keep yourself low 
and you would transition your weight to the front foot, which is of course also bent, just like the back leg. And then as you move the back leg forward, you're going to pivot that front foot, which is now going to become your back foot or your support foot. You're gonna pivot those toes out to the side so that once again, your body is sideways, your front foot is pointing forward, your support foot is pointing off to the side. And uh, again, it's the, the tricky part is keeping those leg muscles engaged and staying low as you transition your weight forward uh, or even retreating, moving backwards in a back stance. That's also another good drill to work on your uh, balance and your form. Now the third basic stance would be the horse stance, which as the name implies, uh, mimics the appearance of riding a horse, which would imply again that your thighs and your legs are far apart as though you were straddling a horse. Uh, maybe a Harley Davidson, something wide that you have to get your legs around. Uh, so the main feature of a horse stance versus the side or the uh, front stance is that you are completely turned sideways and both your toes are pointing uh, to the side. So from Shumbi Jasi, you would step forward into a front stance, uh, again, let's say with your left foot, and your left side would be facing uh, the direction you were going. Your toes would be pointing uh, to the right, 90 degrees away from where you were uh, striding forward. Uh, both knees would be bent equally. You would have a 50-50 weight distribution between the legs. Uh, again, squatting down, hips down, back straight. Uh, you know, so far we haven't really talked about what our arms or our hands are doing during the rest of these stances. Uh, but uh, at this point, I'm just thinking about the foot position being uh, toes perpendicular or 90 degrees offset from the direction you are going. Uh, <clears throat> There's, uh, in, among black belts and among competitive martial artists, there's uh, sort of a, a running contest to see who can have the lowest horse stance. Because again, we're talking about 50-50 distribution of your weight and dropping that horse stance, uh, boy, you start to feel it in both of your thighs. Uh, both your legs are kind of screaming if you have to hold that position very long. So it becomes a matter of toughness, strength, uh, indeed mental toughness because uh, of the signals your legs are giving you saying, hey, you know, extend your legs, get me out of this position. This is hurting my muscles. Uh, and being able to overcome that is kind of a cool, uh, a, just a sort of rite of passage or a, uh, a way of just showing that you are, uh, you know, serious about what you're doing and that you have some intensity and spirit. Uh, as you were to move forward in transition and striding forward in your horse stance, here's the tricky part. Keep those knees bent. Do not lift your height of your head and stay low as you transition. And you need to pivot a complete 180 on that front foot as you're stepping across and stepping out into the horse stance. So your body would be turned, again, in the left foot forward uh, orientation I was describing. Your body would be facing completely to the right side as you're striding forward. And if you stepped forward with that back foot, your body would have to turn 180 degrees. So your belly was now facing the other side of the dojong. So uh, horse stance is uh, known for being a low stance, for being a strong stance. And uh, again, I think moving forward requires more motion of your body uh, to turn that 180 degrees.
The position of your feet would be flat, no heels up, and uh, your toes need to be pointed as I used the word perpendicular before. Uh, we don't want our toes splayed out on a horse stance, at least not at this point. That's a kind of a, a different sort of a stance we'll talk about later. Uh, but in a uh, proper classical horse stance, your toes would be pointing uh, 90 degrees offset from the direction you are striding. This is another stance where as we ask you to bend your knees and get into a lower stance, which is stronger and more technical, uh, beginner students particularly have a tendency to lean forward, lean their torso over their knees. Keeping your back straight, keeping your hips low uh, are all part of the form of a proper horse stance. And again, not the most comfortable thing to do, uh, but I bet if you started doing some extra squats or uh, knee dips at the end of every practice, uh, you would start to understand that your legs can do more, uh, more than you uh, are used to asking of them and uh, you will end up with better stances. Now, stances aren't the most exciting or flashy aspect of what we do in Tung Sado, but they're terribly important and I would uh, coach even advanced students that you need to continue to work on better stances, uh, better form in your stances. Uh, for young people, teenagers and such, as your body changes shape and size, uh, you need to constantly reevaluate your stances. Uh, older students such as myself, as your uh, body and physical skills change and diminish, you might need to adjust the way you do your stances. Uh, one final thought I'll just leave with you is as a judge of many tournaments, uh, say I'm doing a, you know young men's black belt division, these guys or these ladies and when I do women's division, guess what? They're pretty good. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They know their forms. Their technique is pretty solid. Often the difference between first place and not getting a medal at all is a lifted heel in a front stance, uh, toes not pointed forward in a horse stance, um, toes not pulled up on a classical back stance. Um, when everything else is good, uh, you have to start as a judge looking at the basics, the fundamentals, and those things really do count. And we do notice those things as instructors, judges, and masters on the floor. Once again, we're at the end of our time for this particular episode number eight, focusing on the basic stances of Tung Sudo. I thank you for your kind attention. I ask you to please subscribe, share, uh, and talk to other people about this podcast that you train with. If you've gotten any benefit from it, or even if it just shaved you from some boredom on your uh, commute or during your exercise when you had your earbuds in, please tell other people about it and uh, let me know what you think. And I look forward to training with you at some point in the future. Tung Sue.